Money laundering is crazy. I, I read an article this morning and the inflation in Argentina is 100%. It reached 100% this year, just now. And lots of people from Argentina don't have the money in the bank. Everything's in cash. And it's one of the countries that actually buys the most safe uh, uh, boxes uh, in order to keep the cash. It's crazy. So, yeah, they need to pay attention into that. And not only that, let's say people in Argentina, they use something that is called cuevas. And cuevas is basically, I give you the money in Argentina, you give me the money in the U.S. So how do you actually going to show the IRS that that money is legit? You need to be careful, definitely. Gotham Investigations. Today, we have Camilo Espinosa from Logica. Camilo is an immigration attorney, and we have worked several cases together on investment fraud. Individuals that try to come to the United States buying businesses, but are taken for a scam. Unfortunately, they reach out to myself or to reach out to Camilo when they're already knee deep and they're already losing their ass in investments. We have a compliance department, pretty much like a bank does, where we can look into those businesses and make sure they're legit prior to purchase. Camilo also has proper referrals on businesses that could be purchased for, for uh, immigration status purposes. Uh, Camilo graduated from Nova Southeastern University. He has an office here on Brickell, and he also has an office in Columbia. He travels back and forth to Columbia every, uh, within every two weeks. We will assume, Camilo, that it's for immigration purposes. Uh, if somebody wanted to contact you and your firm to obtain a, uh, any, what kind of visas do you do, first of all? Well, first, uh, Jeffrey, thank you for allowing me to be in this amazing studio office. And it's a pleasure and honor to be here with you. Listen, what we do is immigration and business immigration. So you can contact my, my office, Logica PA. My cell phone, 305-726-1537. My Instagram, anywhere. We're everywhere. And your website address? Logica, L-O-I-G-I-C-A.com. Phenomenal. Now, recently we worked a couple cases together, and it was involving investment schemes that were, uh, these individuals were, were taken for uh, a lot of money prior to engagement with yourself and, and, and with, with our firm as well. Can you explain different things to look out for if, if you're living in another country and you want to come to the U.S. on an investment visa, what is the uh, limit amounts and what would have to be done and what is the criteria for them to come here? Well, listen, this is, this is what, what happens. A lot of people, especially in South America, when they, when they live in Colombia, in Argentina, in Bolivia, in those countries, they take the time to do a due diligence, they take the time to actually know what they are buying, and when they come to the U.S., I don't know, I don't know, man, but it seems that all these due diligence things like go away. So they believe that because they're in America, they're in Miami, everything that they buy is legit. No, right? I mean, you have to actually check the books. You need to do, you need to, you need to do the due diligence as to what you are buying. You need to know what was the return on investment. You need to know the people, the companies. What is the business? Who are the people behind? And that's when we find a lot of fraudulent cases. Absolutely. Now, now if they're coming here to the, the U.S. and they're investing money, a lot of these people are doing it without even having a contract in place. That's right. And, the, and this is what you need to get started. The first thing that you need to get started with is the letter of intent or the term sheet, right? The compromise, basically, uh, what am I agreeing to, what is the other party agreeing to, and what are going to be the, the, the main terms of the transaction. The second part is the contract. And the contract has to have a due diligence period 
for you to inspect, for me, my company to hire you to be able to see if these people are legit or not. People omit this, this now, stage. Now, now in, in this sort of phase, on, is it important that they also have a non-compete? Because we've worked cases with, with other attorneys as well, where they come in, they buy a, a business, I'm referring to a client we had in Brazil, and actually they sold him the business that was a legitimate business, but they, they also sold him phony uh, client lists and they, they kept their real client list for them, themselves. Imagine, like, and the covenant not to compete, uh, and uh, you need to re request all the records. You need to request the tax returns, the bank statements, the profit and losses. You need to base it the merchant statements, right? Because you can actually, like, uh, fake, uh, forge uh, tax returns as well. And let's say that you put a million dollars in the tax returns as gross revenue, $200,000 in, in, in net revenue, and then what? You need to go and see how you got into those numbers. How do you do that? Hiring a law firm, hiring an investigator, hiring competent people in order to buy their business. Now, you deal with a lot of uh, forensic accountants and stuff as well that, that looks through these documents with a, with a fine-tooth comb, but is there a, uh, a certain amount that somebody would have to invest from another company? Is there like a dollar amount? Like you just can't say, I'm coming with $10 and buying a business, give me my, my citizenship. Well, it depends. I think in, in these type of cases that we need to see uh, the type of visa. So we have non-immigrant visas and we have immigrant visas. The immigrant visas is easy, it's an EB-5. So what is an EB-5? I wanna go and get the green card, I pay for it. Basically people are buying a green card and that is why there are so, so many people opposed to the EB-5, especially in Congress, right? Because after five years you become a US citizen. So it's a big, big impact. So, but, but what we need to look into it as well is that you, the foreign national invests $800,000 or $1 million, and they, can, they are able to go and get the green card, but the economy as well is flowing, right? Foreign nationals coming and investing into different projects, and that's where the U.S. actually benefits as well. So it's a win-win, but we need to be, we need to be careful as to, as to the projects. There are so many EB-5 projects, Jeffrey, that some are good, some are bad. And on the other side, the non-immigrant the, basically, the standard is a uh, substantial amount. You need to invest a substantial amount of money. Substantial can be $100,000, $200,000, $150,000, And the lower the amounts, the riskier as well as to the business itself. Because what are you buying for $80,000? It depends. Now, now, how are you able to bring that money from the other country to the U.S.? Is that uh, transferred to your law firm, say, in Colombia, and do you wire it to the U.S.? Or how is that amount able to cross state lines prior to purchasing the business or during the transaction right. period. That, that's, a, that's a good point. That, that's a great way for foreign nationals. Usually what they do is that we need to set up the company here first, the company in the U.S. Because everything has to be transferred to a company, also for tax purposes. Because imagine if the company, the, the money is in, in a Colombian company, and the Colombian company transferred to the individual in the U.S. that can be as a dividend was a distribution, it's gonna have a, a tax consequence, right? So what we usually recommend, even though we need to actually talk to the client, is company to company, so it's like a cap, it's basically capitalizing the company, basically a capital contribution. It's easy, they don't have to go through our company in Colombia. It's basically done from their home country into the US, but usually a company, all right? That's the setup, that's the initial setup. Now, now, I'm sure with legitimate b businesses being purchased, there's a lot of money laundering going on from you know, not just Colombia, but other countries and other states like that. So I'm purchasing a business legitimately in the U.S. Is there a compliance uh, that goes on for a few years after that with the IRS to, to monitor that this visa 
has a proper business in place and is operating properly. How, how does that work? Man, that, that's so many issues and sub-issues there. Because in EV-5, you have to go, let's say, five to seven, ten years uh, before you actually submit the, the petition to USCIS. So you need to go back and see where the money or, originated. But right? during that time, they could be here in the U.S.? It depends as well. EB-5 now, yeah. As long as you submit the petition, we can do a change of status. Now, money laundering is crazy. I, I read an article this morning, and the inflation in Argentina is 100%. It reached 100% this year, just now. And lots of people from Argentina don't have the money in the bank. Everything's in cash. And it's one of the countries that actually buys the most safe uh, uh, boxes uh, in order to keep the cash. It's crazy. So, yeah, they need to pay attention into that. And not only that, let's say people in Argentina, they use something that is called Cuevas. And Cuevas is basically, I give you the money in Argentina, you give me the money in the U.S. So how do you actually going to show the IRS that that money is legit? You need to be careful, definitely. Now, now, is there a criteria these businesses have to have? Like, say, I just can't open up a business and a week later sell it to a, a foreign national. Uh, I have to be in business. Is there like an X amount of time period that that business has to be established for? Do they have to have uh, individuals on payroll or could it just be uh, the owner of the business on payroll? Okay, that's, that's an excellent question as well. So look, let's look into the elements of the E2 visa, which is a non-immigrant investor visa. First element, there must be a treaty, a treaty nation between the U.S. and the home uh, country where the person is, is from. So let's say in South America, Brazil doesn't have a, a treaty country with the U.S., Venezuela doesn't, Uruguay doesn't, Peru doesn't have a treaty as well. So that's the first element. The second element, the substantial amount. So you need, the investor must invest a substantial amount of, of money. The third element, which is going to answer your question, the business must be a real and operating enterprise. So you, the foreign national can't just go and buy a business that is worth zero, even if he or she pays $100,000. It must have an office, it must have an infrastructure, IT, invoicing, website, one or two employees, because the fourth element talks about the marginability, basically meaning that I'm not buying the business to auto-self-employ myself. No, I'm buying the business because I actually want to create American jobs. I want to hire American citizens, U.S. residents, to actually to continue growing the business because I come to direct the business. And the fifth element is basically talking about the control. I need to have control of my own company. If we meet these five elements, you can buy a business for any two purposes, or I can even transfer it in to another foreign national who wants to buy it. Now, does anyone go on review of this, or is this just when you apply... You, you put all of this paperwork together and you say, here it is. Obviously, uh, if you have employees that worked for the company for a week versus a year or two years, there's going to be a big difference there. Does anyone look at that? Yes, they do it. And they, they look at the documents carefully as well. Now, does it make a difference if you employ one person or two people two weeks or three, three weeks before the application? No, really. As long as all the elements of the E2 visa or the EB5 are actually met. So you're saying that Venezuela and uh, uh, Brazil doesn't have that relationship with the no. U.S., but yes, we have clients that were investors from Brazil. How are they bringing their money in here? Are they applying as a citizen in, say, uh, Colombia? Are they able to do that and then bring it in from there when they're really like a uh, uh, Venezuelan, that, that, that that's their hometown? I mean, because they're, they're coming in here and they're investing. Well, how, you how see Doral, right? Doral is full of, of Venezuela. Yes. So, Sometimes they have a dual citizenship. So let's say Venezuela and Madrid and España. 
Spain, right? So that's basically that. And if the person we apply as a Spanish citizen, even though they are Venezuelan as well, that's fine. Sometimes Venezuelans just go and transfer money to the U.S. and they come with a B1, B2 visa, which is a tourist visa. Sometimes they come and they apply for asylum and they apply for TPS or they, apply, they already have applied for TPS. So it depends. Or they go for the EB-5. The EB-5 doesn't have a, nation, a nationality requirement. Basically, you can be from Iran. You can apply. Now, how you got the money is different, right? Because let's say that you're from Iran and then uh, most of the, of the companies are sanctioned. What are you going to do in order to prove that the money was actually legit? It's going to be so, a, a So I know, issue. have you run into issues like, okay, they want to put a million dollars here. Obviously, that's not going in, in your pocket or my pocket. That's going to a banking institution. Do you find that these banking institutions, because a lot of them have compliance departments where they actually will fly out to that country and they'll say, I want to make sure that this money is not drug money, this money is, is legit. It's happening now, as we speak. Uh, clients, are be, their accounts are being closed in Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, Citibank. Actually, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, and Citibank close a lot of accounts. And you know why? Because it's too expensive for the banks to continue having foreign national money in the US, like foreign accounts, especially because of money laundering. So I spoke to someone from JP Morgan a year ago, and he was referring to how much uh, it takes the bank to actually do the due diligence for a foreign national and the money that they put in, so they just prefer to go and close it. Take your check, Jeffrey, go away, see you. And these people have to go to local banks, smaller banks. So the, the smaller banks that you're referring to, can you name like a, a couple of them that would? Yeah, Ocean Bank, I know that they accept nationals, foreign okay. nationals, Terra Bank as well, um, Multibanco. Um, some people were actually into what, what, what happened. What was the name of this bank uh, on Sunday? That oh yes, um, uh, Silicon Valley. The Silicon Valley and and, and the and the other one, uh, Signature Bank and Signature Bank. We had clients with money in Signature Bank in an escrow, but in an escrow though. Uh, so what so happens to that escrow now? <laughs> is it uh, is it on hold? Is the government giving them their money back? Uh, is, is, is in escrow? Are they just screwed now? They can't. No, open up no. It seems that everything is going to be okay. However, uh, what these people are doing now is that they're opening an account, another escrow account, and they're going to transfer from that escrow to the other escrow. No one wants to have the money in Signature Bank right now, even if the Fed is going to go and and and, and get involved. There'll man, a huge you know, time frame involved and there and a delay. Just, yeah, just printing and uh, continue printing money. That's, that's, that's what's happening now. Gosh. So this is a huge issue going on now with, with the banks, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot of it. In Especially those banks, and Signature Bank and other banks. Why? EB-5 money. So these huge projects, most of the money goes into these banks in escrow, and then the money goes to the developers. So I'm not saying anything that is something fraudulent going on. No, it's just that now that this just happened with Signature Bank, they're going to try to, to put the money in another bank that, so the money is safe. It's scary. So let's, let's talk about, uh, I know we can't mention like clients' names and stuff like that, but just briefly on a couple uh, scams throughout your career that you've seen investors being, being taken for. Well, we are, we're working in this case, right? This particular case. Uh, and listen, they, they are not even a client. They are like a friend of, of, a, of a friend and now we're friends. And they came to my office after investing like what, like half a million dollars or more? Not even investing. I don't think the term is, is investing. Just giving someone half a million dollars without doing any due diligence. That is just crazy. 
and now uh, they're trying to re re get the money back, and not only that, they just go on and, and make those representations. So when you're saying giving them the money, what was the expectations for, for that Buying money properties in, in Detroit, in buying properties in other states, uh, they don't even know about the properties, they haven't checked or done a due diligence or appraisals or anything, just, just trusting realtors and some uh, other investors. And, and the problem is uh, with, with these foreign investors, obviously they come to the U.S., they'll, they're targeted, you know, they're targeted at tennis clubs, they're targeted at uh, country clubs, uh, rich locations. They know where, you know, individuals are. Sometimes they even follow people from the airport and they have uh, a spotter. And these spotters will make this investment seem like the grandiose investment ever that they can make. And that's where they take them to an office, and sometimes the offices are set up, uh, $20,000, $30,000 a month offices. I know we've handled a, a separate case uh, involving like Chinese bond schemes and stuff like that. And the office, they were paying $20,000, $30,000 rent. So you walk in there, you're like, oh, this is where I want to put my money. Look at this office. But uh, learning the things that we've learned, I would rather go into like a small office with the hardworking individual, 100%. Uh, driving a, uh, a, a Toyota that he's paying monthly for rather than a, a driving out in a Bentley that he's doing a Ponzi scheme with other people's money and putting up this front. I, I, listen, Jeffrey, uh, this guy, uh, her, his name is Hector, Hector, I forgot his last name, guy from Spain. He came to the US, he came to Miami buying different properties in Key Biscayne. So he was putting deposits, like 200 here, 100 here, 50 here. So uh, my friend, he, he thought, hey, this is legit. This guy is basically, he has spent uh, half a million dollars, one million dollars just in deposits. He has money, right? People That's will what say you think. so, but guess what? He was buying, he was selling franchises and licensing um, agreements to investors, to foreign national investors as to food trucks. Each one was worth 150, 100,000, 300. Guess what? He actually was able to get invested into his company at least three, four million dollars. He spent a million dollars in deposits. Just making people believe that he had the money to do so. The bubble burst, people had the money. Obviously, he lost the deposit, but who cares? I mean, I mean, the guy invested four million, I mean, he got four million dollars, invested a million dollars into this fraudulent scheme. He left, and I believe now he's in Spain. And the, uh, the hard part for law enforcement, you know, as you know, I've been a law enforcement officer for 30 years. There's right. usually a threshold that it takes to even investigate these things. And the problem when we have like meeting in Miami, the investment is in another state, say Philadelphia or, or even say uh, uh, Wisconsin or any place like that. Uh, some of these other states, uh, Dallas, you have, now you have jurisdictional issues. So the local police department where it initiated, they can't investigate it. It becomes federal, it becomes wire fraud when the money is, is transferred from, say, Miami now to, to Dallas, and that's where the issue comes of a threshold. Uh, the FBI has thousands of these cases. Unless you have a contact there or multiple victims, it, it's not gonna be investigated. And a lot of times, these individuals will not face jail time because an investor is the one that introduces these people and he doesn't want his name known as being the one that made this introduction to these Ponzi schemes. I agree. And in this case, we have a final judgment. Obviously, we can't find the guy, no assets in the US. Um, we went to the FBI, to local police agencies. Listen, it's hard. So why don't, why don't they do the, the, the work before? They need to. 
the foreign national, the investors must do it before, not after, right? I mean, you want to invest $100 million, like $1 million, half a million dollars, do it before, do it prior. Hire the like, competent people in order to do so, in order to be safe. And obviously, like you're saying, in that particular case, he took his $4 million, went back to Spain. He can get a lot of tapas and vino for $4 million. He doesn't even give a crap about the U.S. no more. Probably he's eating paella right now as we speak, and, 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 this, and the other people are basically broke. That happens a lot. Gotham Investigations with one of our local team members here, Camilo Espinosa from Logica. Graduated from Northwestern Southeast University, correct? That's correct. And is probably one of the top immigration attorneys, not just for your visas, but for business investments. Don't be a fool. Hire Camilo today if you want to come to the U.S. Thank you for watching this episode. Are you a fan of our show? Do you like our show? Then comment. Hit the like button and subscribe, or you might be the next one we investigate.